0: Five, four, three, two, one. This is News in Paradox. views in paradox. welcome any and all to episode 21 of views and paradox today we will be talking portrait of a lady on fire today we have a new guest uh, Nova Jones an actress welcome to the show
1: hi thank you for having me
0: and as always we have my co-host Rachelle Racine hi So, this movie, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Nova, you nominated this film. And uh, I'll say right up top, you were the third, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, Uh, in a row.
0: In a row. (laughs) (laughs) This
1: (laughs) is a surprise, D. You're a film buff. You love it. yeah. Yeah, we have a
0: lot of filmy people on the show. And so they like artsy stuff. I was kind of hesitant to go into this movie based on the trailer. Just because I felt like it was going to be... Pretentious, Uh, pretentious, but also (laughs) I was worried about it just kind of being like empty. Um, Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, after watching it, I feel like it made me reevaluate pretentious. (laughs) Like I looked it up. I was like, am I using this right? Um, (laughs) And, you know, the the definition says that it's self-important, but without sort of something to back it up. And I feel like this this film does back it up i feel like it had a lot of substance to it it is very art arty it is kind of a filmmaker's film in a lot of ways but uh, i'll recant a little bit my my hesitance and my thoughts that it would be pretentious i really i'll just say right had fun i really love this film so thank you i just want to say for nominating it and rochelle for forcing me to finally
2: yeah, i was like it. i was like we're gonna do this <laughs> Um, real quick, I'm glad you brought that up because my first question to ask you, John, was, was this pretentious? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, just a little, you know, I think at the just end, a it, just a little, and that's okay. Uh, it's French and most French film is a touch self-important, yeah. I would yeah. say. I like anything uh, historical
1: fiction. Can yeah, anytime you, you go a period, concept. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, as soon as you get the costumes on and you bust out the, like, really nice prime lenses, that's when it starts to kind of... I was just worried it was going to be something like The Square. Have you guys seen that movie? No. Oh, my God. It's like a film that kind of takes the piss out of pretentious films, but in itself is just, like, way too pretentious. That's funny. (laughs) That movie would be fun to just, like, explore the definition of pretentious.
2: Maybe one day, huh? As a self-proclaimed snob, I have to say that I did not find this movie pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i thought it was beautiful and everything was backed up
0: yeah this movie is great let's talk about real quick i wanted to bring up something that connects to one of our past episodes and that's that this was debuted at Cannes, con film festival and when it first premiered it looked like the vibe was that it was a shoe-in for the palm Dior, and it was narrowly beat out by a film we watched just recently in parasite mm-hmm. uh which that is a that is a dukem it's hard to beat parasite you know this movie is like kind of a any other year I'd side with it but i don't know parasite was just yeah something else. I, I
2: agree i agree i want to like touch into this a little bit more once we kind of talk about the academy awards new inclusion requirements but like the whole time i was watching this i was thinking why wasn't this nominated and then i realized the year it came out and i was like oh okay
0: yeah. <laughs> i i see why because parasite you know, just a- swept everything
1: yeah they just loved everything yeah they had a more original way of storytelling you know you can't not go with that one it's refreshing it's well done it's engaging and this one i feel like you know we've seen it before and in other versions very good very well done but not incredibly original
0: yeah yeah Yeah. not as fresh as parasite although uh it did win the bafta over parasite for best foreign language Mm -hmm. film so it was (laughs) uh they gave it some love over in europe it just really didn't make its way to the states beyond like the sort of ifc indie theaters which
2: to be honest there are film viewing patterns here i am not surprised by that
1: whatsoever
0: yeah absolutely Do you feel
1: like maybe like cultural influences could be another thing too because i know that you know a lot of k-pop for example it's sort of making its way into the western you know into america so i feel like we're sort of starting to look at korea a lot more closely and then this movie comes along parasite so I feel like that could be it, too, where we're really sort of looking at that more than we are looking at, you know, French movies at the moment. I actually
2: completely agree with that now that you say that, because, like, K-pop, K-beauty is huge. French yeah. beauty has always been a part of our culture, but the thing is, it's a very pretentious thing. Like, you just typically see a lot of rich white women use French products, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I completely see that. We're like, K-beauty, like, it's for, I mean, yes, it's for a specific skin tone because of where it comes from, but, like, it's more inclusive somehow at the same time yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly and
1: then you've yeah. got like i mean bts they're huge right now so i feel like ever since they're on they snl for did,
0: crying was, out loud
1: yeah mm-hmm. exactly so now i feel like ever since that's been happening i think that sort of been thinking oh okay you know this is interesting this is a new market it's refreshing it's different let's check yeah, it out completely side note
2: everyone needs to look up the korean band ukulele picnic you're welcome okay <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, and I feel like even on this show, we've watched several Korean films now. I'm all
2: about the Korean cinema right now. It's in my family. We love it.
0: (laughs) And I feel like Asian cinema is something that, like Japanese cinema, has always had a very kind of strong tie here in the States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas kind of French film, it's like every once in a blue moon, something comes across.
2: The one that I think really took off was Amelie. Yeah. Big time. And I can't really think of another one. Really?
0: Recent? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of another one that's very recent. Okay. So we kind of went backwards, but that's cool. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about real quick about the Oscars new inclusion requirements for best picture eligibility.
0: Did you read uh, up on this at all, Nova? Did you see this article? I actually have article?
2: not okay. hearing about it, but I don't know the details. I had I I missed a very huge detail and I was like really pissed off about it as a
0: minority. Yeah, Yeah, you (laughs) missed a key point. Yeah, I missed a huge key point. So um, actually, John, would you mind? Sure. So the they announced that there's a new inclusion policy in order to be eligible to be nominated for best picture, and they have a series of mandates. The article said there was four, but when I was scrolling through, I there was like five. So I don't know what that was all about. But essentially, you need to cover two of these in order to be eligible. So one of them is, what's the A1 that you were uh, talking Lead about? Need
2: significant supporting actor, at least one of them has to be an underrepresented racial or ethnic group.
0: Yeah, or LGBTQ. Um,
2: not in this one, no. That. or oh, not in that, this. That. Not in this specific leader supporting actors, which kind okay. of pisses me off. Th- that's the one thing that now pisses me uh, off.
0: It doesn't. You can't always tell, and sometimes gay actors, I feel like, play straight characters, and vice versa. Yeah, so I
2: suppose that's true. Good point. But it would be nice if like. You know, maybe a trans actor could play a trans character. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> and that generally, included. yeah,
0: underrepresented. They might yeah. they might be able to fall into that. But yeah, well, I see the point. It,
2: on variety.com, it is not listed in there. Yeah. And everything else, it is listed in there. So then A2 is the general ensemble cast. So at least 30% of the actors have to have come from one of these underrepresented groups, which I think is a bit lowballing, but perhaps a good start. Um, And LGBTQ plus is in
0: this list. So then there was also behind the scenes requirements and they were really broad. So I feel like it's actually very easy for a studio, maybe not an independent production per se, but a studio backed production can easily cover a lot of these. So it's like crew production, again, I think it was 30%. I don't have it in front of me. I'm kind of trying to remember what I read yesterday. Um, yeah, it
2: was 30%
0: yeah 30% crew. you can have it in advertising or in internships so mm-hmm. th- like if you're a studio and you've I mean they have to have two so it's not like a total loophole but like you could just kind of back end it in advertising and in like studio internships or something I would is what it kind of feels like
2: agreed but i do like Uh, that you have
0: to have two of them it makes it a little bit more incentivizing to actually get people on the production itself i think
2: agreed there's a couple more we missed so a3 the main storyline or subject matter the theme in the narrative has to be centered around underrepresented groups so in this case in portrait of a lady on Fire this would be one of, like, the tick boxes, right? Bing, bing, bing. Right? And then the female director also would tick the boxes. So this, as of 2019, would... Well, this is... We're in 2020, by the way, guys, but the film was released in 2019. This would have ticked those boxes had this been requirements last year.
0: And this will go into effect as of 2022?
2: 2021? I think. think, Because I think it's affecting the
0: films of 2021. So, like, if you're you're making a film next year and you want to be able to nominate it for best picture you have to like meet these requirements so and this okay, is academy so, mandated
2: okay so the scheduled 2022 and 2023 a film will submit a confidential academy inclusion standard form to be considered for best picture but beginning 2024 for the 96th oscars a film submitting for best picture will have to meet the inclusion threshold by meeting two of the four standards so as of 2024, there's no like if, ends, or buts. You won't have to go through that red tape that they're requiring in 22 and 23, because it's just gonna be like, you have to now.
0: How do you guys feel about it while we're on it? How do, you, how do you, how does it make you feel now that you've, like Rochelle, now that you kind of like reread it? Do you like it? Is it too light it too much? What do you what do you guys think?
2: Um, I like it, but I think part of it is not enough. And w- just to be clear at first, I was really offended as a minority, because I thought we had to do everything. And I was like, there's so many stories that can be told that don't require like a minority actor you know and I want to see those minority films please don't get me wrong but I was just a little like yeah like, the idea loved... that
0: it would eliminate categories of art from yeah. the running right. yeah they, they yeah, I, I feel like they did a good job of dodging that while still trying yeah. to be inclusive. Wait,
1: so the subject has to revolve around underrepresented groups? Because that's the thing I see, and I think that's my biggest thing as an actor is sometimes I'll get auditions where I'm playing something, like, you know, I, like, have you noticed a lot of films that get nominated for an Oscar? It's usually about slavery or something like that if you're looking yeah. for black representation. But with, you know, with Caucasian films, you can just be a person living mm-hmm. their life and you get nominated. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. And yeah. I want to see more of that. Well, like in a- this a
0: one, you could uh, for example play a role that is not specified uh, as anything right that is just or even like even male female you could just like play a role and just by you being in it as the lead you would be ticking off one of those boxes oh, cool. so if the cool. film is then also about slavery then you've just ticked both you've just ticked two boxes got it Okay. so that's the thing it's like it doesn't have to be about that subject matter but if it is that's like a box ticked. so if you're in it but it's just really it's just like twelve angry men being like redone or whatever, then we need to get some some people on the crew. Right. Got it. And we need to have like 30% of our crew to tick the other box. So that's kind of how it works.
2: So I wish that was like 40 at least. And I think that that aspect is kind of sad
1: that they have to require that. I was was thinking that, isn't it terrifying that you 30%? So then how how much do you have now? Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, I'm wondering, 30% is like crew sizes vary, right? So So like on a really big set. There there could be a hundred.
2: Yeah. yeah, And then so it's 30 people. But a lot of sets are
0: only like 25 people, you know, depending on your cast, you know, cast takes up a lot, extras take up a lot, but like a crew can be like 30 people total. Yeah. But
1: you know, for those, but for those bigger sets, I mean, we're not just talking about one represented, one underrepresented group. I mean, think about all of these different minorities that we have. And then, you know, I agree that studios.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to.
1: Oh, no, you're good.
0: I just think that studios can mandate these things very easily and should be doing them. The wiggle room that I that I like is that like an independently financed film, you know, you didn't you tend to have these like producer director types who kind of just reach out to everyone they know. And so if you only know if only twenty five percent of the people you know working in film that you can have on the film that are available, you know, it's like because there's only so many spots. I can see there it being harder. For somebody on that level like if Kevin Smith tries to do something outside of the studio right like he made red state or whatever just on his own time then it's like harder for him to kind of go through these things and check them all off. But I do think I am with you that like I think studio studio backing studio finance in general can handle these things very I think very easily.
1: Yeah. I wonder, you know, if this will sort of become instinct, you know, I mean, right now it's a guideline, but maybe eventually, naturally, will will we just be doing this in general? Because as you said, you know, if a producer doesn't know someone that fits the criteria, I think this will sort of open that up and open up a lot of opportunities to where we're making these connections. And maybe eventually, I don't know if it's too positive or too hopeful, they'll be able to expand the diversity on film sets and behind the scenes as well.
0: Well, I I don't think that's too hopeful at all. Oh sorry. No.
1: I think
2: i think that's the goal you know like we saw that in other industries so it's about time that hollywood who pretty much like leads this stuff at the end of the day yeah. should be doing this so well, and, hopefully it'll trickle down even more so into society
0: yeah and hollywood is a networking industry so if you have more people diverse more diversity on sets then you're going to meet more diverse people and yeah. th- and you're more likely to work with those people again, right? Like, so when I was in film school about 10 years ago, it was, like, just kind of becoming popular for women to start doing, like, cinematography and, like... Kind of like branching outside of the the typical script supervisor you know makeup kind of roles that women have been in for a very long time in film like i was starting to see a lot of cinematographers a lot of uh you know assistant cameras a lot of directors so that's because and i just started working with more and more often with women as a result of that right so I think this is kind of a step like that. It's like let's mix up the pot because then you're going to meet people and you're going to work with the ones. I obviously, we want it to be a meritocracy, but if you don't have the chance to to be seen, you're never going to your merits never going to get recognized, right?
2: Right. Well, to the academy, good on you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad they're I'm
0: glad they're trying. It's taken them long enough to yeah. kind of get their act together. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, back to Portrait of a Lady. Uh, I'll say spoilers from here on out. Just we'll put up the spoiler warning. Uh, we are going to start talking about it. In plot detail, I will say go watch this movie if you haven't. It's worth the time. It's a good movie. If you don't care about spoilers, listen, and maybe we'll convince you to go watch it anyway. Yeah,
2: It's available on Hulu right now, by the way.
0: So I wanted to talk uh, cast a little bit. Uh, very small cast, mostly women. I think fairly obvious upon watching. Uh, I was
2: able to fit the whole cast on one page of notes. <laughs> I know, right? There's
0: there's really four characters mm-hmm. and everyone else that has a line is just completely tertiary. So I, I pulled up the names because they're French and they're a little hard for me. But there's uh, Naomi Merlant is the lead. She plays uh, Marianne, the painter in the film. And uh, Adele Hanel uh, plays the titular lady on fire uh something i I thought interesting in their biography is they've both they've both been co-leads with uh jean dujardin one of the few famous Mm. frenchmen uh in today's market uh known for the artist if you've ever seen the artist he kind of made a momentary crossover to the states so they're so they're significant like i'd never seen these actresses before but when i looked through their resumes i was like they have they are like a, a Basically, big French names at the moment. There's Luana Bajrami, uh, who plays Sophie the maid. I'd never seen her before, but I thought she was great. And then uh, the last one is uh, Valeria golina who plays the mother, the countess or countess. What is it? Golino. Thank you, Golino, who's actually done quite a number of American films. I I recognized her, and I wasn't sure from what. And I thought it was funny when I when I came across the one that with me which was hot shots Have you guys seen hot shots no no rochelle you're my age okay. i'm so surprised with it was like charlie sheen back before he went crazy
2: oh that's why i hate him
0: yeah i probably
2: i probably avoided it on purpose but I it was know like
0: what? yeah hot shots was in like the heyday of spoof movies like the last gasp of Bell, mel brooks movies the naked gun films it was like in line with those like the really over the top but she was the main the ingenue in that film so i thought it was fun to to see her again acting you guys are are actors let's let's talk some acting uh nova what you, what did you think because you had some yeah. stuff kind of in our preamble that you i thought was interesting
1: oh about the acting I, I think for me i think i what i love about it which i think might just be sort of a common style choice in french cinema in general is how understated the acting is they're not trying to make you feel anything. They're not trying to make anything dramatic. There was a lot of just line throwing here and there. So that's what I really like. But at the same time, the, the intense scenes, they were subtle. They weren't forced. Um, and they were very well done. I think Rochelle and I were talking before about how this is sort of one of those movies where it's very difficult to do because you don't have the backing of background music, of fancy editing to, to make a dramatic point. So really, you have to be fully engaged with all the other characters around you and really do your research. Research. And I think that all of the women in the film did such a stunning job of
0: that. Yeah.
2: They, they did the nuanced performances. I was in awe the entire time. Uh,
0: there's a, there's a scene I think that really highlights the acting in particular in this film. And it's the one where they're pointing out each other's, works it's like you always you know you breathe with your mouth open when you're nervous and just like the beats that the actors have to hit so that the other ones can point it out and we can notice it without it being like crazy overt and like do they carry these mannerisms throughout the film which i believe they do just being able to like internalize the character that deeply so that that kind of moment works I thought was very impressive just in terms of attention to detail
1: oh yeah and the chemistry in that scene is phenomenal too I think that's sort of like a nice little pivotal moment that we see and and that's what I like too is those charged moments they're very selective you don't see that throughout the entire film you've earned it when you get to that point
0: I do feel a lot of there is a lot of tension in the film like even though like yeah they don't have a lot of those big moments there's a lot of just like they're very close to each other she's like trying. to to steal glances. And there's just kind of this immediate tension between them because of this that I thought was like something that makes you feel something like right away in what is otherwise a very kind of slow paced movie. But I feel like the pace is actually quite deliberate. And after just like the first few scenes, I lost track of the idea that it was slow or anything like that. Yeah,
2: I was actually very surprised how, not the pacing, the pacing is slow, but like how quick it went. Yeah, I f- was watching it, I was so engrossed, and then it was over, and I was like, um, how was that fast and slow? <laughs> because it was it's a beautiful film, it's art. I mean, it really truly is art, and I think that really makes up for the pace.
0: Yeah, I-, I felt like, to hit on what you're talking about, that feeling at the end of it, I think that's really what the film is absolutely trying to evoke, is that idea of a really intense memory, right, like you have these yeah. moments, right, And they can come and go quickly, but then they they also stick with you. Like, I think of just like the time you and Rochelle, you and I went to Las Vegas together, right? It was a Mm -hmm. really short trip. But, like, if I were to think back on it, I feel like I would picture it kind of in the way that this film portrays things, right? Where it's like, it was a long weekend, but it was also just like, boom, it was just like over. Yeah, Uh, it was
2: just like over. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that was good. We can do that more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One day you'll. One day it'll get through. <laughs> I'm sure. So cinematography. The, the, the you said this film is art. Let's talk about the art. So first and foremost of the art, I would say, is the cinematography. Uh, uh, Nova, you want to start us on this one?
1: Yeah. Okay. So while I was watching the film, I you know I was taking notes while watching it, and I had a moment where I paused it thirty minutes into the film, and it's the part where Marianne, the painter, and Soph Sophie Sophia. So- yes. Sophie. 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 Yeah, Sophie, the maid I'd say. You know, Sophie's serving her dinner, and when I pause that moment, I looked I looked up from my notes and I noticed, "Oh my goodness, this is this looks exactly like an oil painting." So I think that's interesting. The interior scene's the way that they're lit. There's the fireplace on the side that sort of illuminates into the scene and you you know, it illuminates onto the girl's, but you see the background is very dark you know almost sort of blackened out and so it very much looked like a 17th 18th century romantic painting um, and I, I wonder if this is intentional because I think in doing so it really sort of brings you into the scene and just really makes you feel like you are being taken back in time I mean it really sets the scenes up Um, I think another reason, it it could just be that sort of add a nice little flourishment to the piece because the film is about art. It is about a painter. It is about her subject. So that could be another thing, you know, in representing the the cinematography matches the subject as a whole. But I don't know. I feel like it was very much intentional because it's so glaringly obvious. And I also looked up some paintings that it reminded me of. Um, I did a study on this French painter named Jean-Honor Fragonard in in college, and that's really sort of a common thing with his painting, is this idea of having that one light source illuminating onto the subjects, the muses, and then having sort of the back brown have this sort of backlit thing where it's very dark behind and it creates this sort of romantic and mystical sort of notion um one the example the stolen kiss which was created in 1760 the other one italian interior also created in 1760 when you put those together with the still of marianne with sophie you you see that it very much is so they're very similar and, and you can, there's sort of a theme here you
0: can do that with most of the interior shots in particular and some of the exterior as well like some of the exteriors a little less so just because of the backdrop but yeah uh, definitely the interiors and it's so intentional i have a friend my my old cinematography teacher who later became uh a colleague teaches these photography classes where they do this exact exercise. They try to recreate classic paintings via lighting. So it's very much, it's very possible. And you know, it is kind of just taking the principles from those old styles. Like you said, the back, the backlighting and like these strong single sources. And then of course the costuming, And makeup does a lot of work on top of that, right? Of course, yeah.
2: For me, at first, it reminded me of two things. Rembrandt and sort of, not as like obvious, but in Frida, the film with Selma Hayek, they do that. They pan from like her paintings into like the scene it reminded me of that but again it was nowhere near as like obvious which i'm very much appreciated and i think just goes with the style of french yeah.
0: well frida also was trying to highlight a specific her artist's paintings. art yeah. so yeah. it would transition from her paintings to the the world which was mm-hmm. which was a very cool thing yeah and
2: also because of that style of painting she was like a surrealist yeah you know Um, obviously it's going to be more obvious, but initially I thought of Rembrandt and then I read Nova's notes, which I actually rarely read the notes of our guests until the morning of, but I, she had images in there. So I was like, I have to, I have to read this. And so I started doing research on the painter that she just said, and I was like, no, nope, Rembrandt is no longer in my mind. It is now who you just said.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because Rembrandt was in my mind initially. I thought Rembrandt and I thought Caravaggio, but then I looked it up, and Rembrandt came before you know the sort of the 18th century movement. So I wanted to find a painter that was sort of in the in, around the same time period that this, this story took place, and so that's when Fragonard would sort have of popped up in my head.
0: I did find some critiques online of the film that the style of painting in the film doesn't quite match the era like the way like when they show the close-ups of the paint canvas and kind of the materials she uses and the tools she uses that it's not entirely accurate apparently but you could have fooled me it looks pretty <laughs> it looks pretty great yeah
2: it looks it, it's
1: beautiful
0: yeah and i feel like the the idea of these shots looking like paintings i think it really does tie into our point of view which is we open in kind of we open ahead of the story and we flash back to it So I feel like all of the things we're seeing are within the context of her remembering this time, this like two week period that the film covers and as a painter she's going to remember them like paintings and in these moments of, of paintings and I feel like when I think about the the structure of this film and the way that it uses point of view it puts a lot of things immediately into context for me which I think we'll we'll continue to get to throughout but like I feel like you said that the film doesn't try to manipulate you I think it absolutely does but that it's so subtle that you don't notice that it's doing it. And that's like, that is what filmmakers strive to do, right? I feel like we, we try to, I have these classes and I describe film as an empathy machine. And so if a film can get you to really immerse and empathize it's doing its its job and I feel like this film, yeah, it, it has it in spades and the cinematography is a big part of that. I also just want uh, to point out the, sorry, go ahead.
2: Um, I was going to say also that when we are first introduced into the film, the protagonist is teaching people how to paint a portrait and like what to stay attentive to, the details in a person, like, you know, what their face shape does, how they stand, etc. And I thought that was a really interesting way of also telling the audience how to watch the film. It was bringing in like what this film is about and the main source of income, I guess, for this for this character that we're going to be following. And again, teaching us what to pay attention to. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, her lines are constantly drawing your eye around the screen. Like when she's describing the ear. I love mm-hmm. that shot where she's following her and she's just like studying her ear and you can't help but do the you can't help but do it with her, right? Cuz the film's like always kind of guiding your eye. And on a technical level, the cinematography, not just with the stills, I just want to point out that there are some really technically difficult shots in this film particularly there's like there's like a walk and talk where eloise the the lady on fire is in a full close-up for this really long walk across these like uneven cliffs and it's just it's incredibly close to her and it's technically perfect and it's a very difficult kind of shot to do and there's a lot of those in here that are very subtle but like technically marvelous like the final shot is you know that one's all in the actor but it's a look it up. It's two minutes and thirty-seven seconds long. The final wow. shot of the film, and it's just her reacting, right? It's like just this, uh, her kind of going through this this uh, this emotional ride. So there's just a lot of stuff in there where I'm just like, on a filmmaking level, I'm just very impressed that they that they managed to pull it off and make it feel so smooth and so seamless and like without hitches really.
1: I love this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, another shot I was very familiar with that I feel like can be a good segue is the the overhead shot when the so the maid gets an abortion throughout the film. She's she's pregnant and she needs to get an abortion. And the I like the whole thing where they go through the remedy and they're kind of like showing us these old world methods.
2: Yeah, I thought that was fun for yeah. what it is.
0: For what yeah. I mean it's <laughs> it's depressing, but I liked just kind of how real the movie got. It just like yeah. was never it's a very unflinching film. It's just like this is life in this time and Mm -hmm. you know she can't afford that kid <laughs> like, but then the the remedy doesn't work so they have to go to the midwife i'm guessing to get this abortion and they have a shot it's overhead looking down on her on the bed and i've like built this exact rig i did it like a pregnancy film once <laughs> that uh, had like the exact same setup and it's a very cumbersome kind of setup to do to, to get a camera kind of just like directly over something like that and she's got like a Baby. Well, there's
1: two kids. There's two
0: kids, but one of them's like baby, baby.
1: An infant, yeah.
0: Yeah. What did you guys think of this sequence in general?
1: That I would say definitely very intentional and there's so much meaning behind it. I don't know that it resonated with me emotionally because the entire film is sort of the the pacing of it and and the way that everything's sort of just given to you. I don't know that I was supposed to feel anything. I'm assuming I was, but I didn't feel anything. But I mean, I I think I was sort of just, I was very impressed with the baby for one. I mean, great, great way of interacting with the actress. I was impressed, that was well done. I mean, I think it's interesting I wonder in that moment if if Sophie regretted her decision to abort the baby because you have actual life next to you and then you have the life inside of you that you know you can't afford to have so you have to get rid of and you know throughout that entire their entire sort of mission to abort the baby using their own DIY means you don't see the presence of a baby you don't really so you don't really sort of understand you know the implications as an adult but you don't really feel it through the movie so when you have that moment where she's with this baby and she's getting emotional you know i do think it's supposed to be impactful but i don't know that i personally felt emotionally swayed in any way because i i looked at it more as like this sort of artistic intention to show a physical baby while this baby we cannot see is being aborted
0: yeah i had trouble trying to in a similar way i had trouble trying to kind of figure out exactly what the director wanted us to take away from the baby because obviously uh, rochelle what do you what do you think
2: um i think that this entire scene is just a way for the director to instill that this movie is about love and sisterhood Mm. and i really don't know how else to expand on that (laughs) Um, I should have written more about this, but I don't think that it was the baby was there to show regret. I think the baby was there to just show unconditional love because that's what infants require and what they give. Right.
0: I didn't see this yeah, as like anti-abortion moment. No. Oh, no, 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 either, no, no, no. Right. It's no. like there's already to some extent the baby's kind of like there's already life here, you know. Do we, do we need, does she need this, this baby? You know, like right now, do we, do we need it? But it was an interesting choice, a bold choice for sure.
2: It was a bold choice. And I think that it's definitely not designed to um, have an anti-abortion message. I mean, let's pretend like it wasn't, this isn't a feminist film but my only logical qualm in this film was this scene only because it would not be that simple <laughs> like it, it's a painful experience to go through especially then and i just thought it, they really although i liked why they understated it it was just like logically i can't
0: she's so can't stoic throughout the process yeah too. It, that's what
2: i mean that's what i mean it you was know. just like there was nothing and like that's i mean i guess i don't really know but especially back then like the uh I, I don't
0: know exactly what she's it's, doing it's down invasive. there. It's yeah. invasive.
1: Like it's, it's gonna bad. hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not like being put under or anything. Yeah. yeah like
0: clearly yeah. she's getting all up in her business. But do
1: you think that that was sort of a misstep on the actress's part, or do you think that was intentional? The director. I think it was intentional. I think one, it was
2: intentional because they didn't want to feed the anti-abortion narrative, and mm-hmm. two, there was some other point in the, in that that you know maybe she was she made the right decision or she just had to shut that down in order to go through with it something along those lines
0: i think part of it is character based just because sophie is is so stoic throughout the film Um, even when she's lighthearted, she's very reserved right she's always she's the one who's on the bottom of the totem pole for Mm -hmm. sure in this movie right and so she always kind of like minds her place i what i what i liked about this sequence is just sort of the the pro-choiceness of it the bodily autonomy that all of the women involved in the moment are just like supportive, right? Mm -hmm. They just immediately like, they don't, they don't ask questions. Like she doesn't tell the lady of the house because there is kind of a societal proprietary thing that like, you know, we don't want to advertise it, but I like that when it's scandalous, but when she opens up to, you know, this newcomer, the artist, it's like, she's kind of a neutral party. She's kind of someone that is able to kind of bridge like Sophie and, Eloise in a way right right and so I like that you know as soon as it kind of comes up they don't have this uh moral debate about whether you should they just kind of trust that she knows what's up and I and I did I did like that me
2: too yeah because it was her body
0: and the film is (laughs) and the film definitely reinforces a lot of feminist ideas right
2: Oh, completely, yeah. Big fan
1: of that, by the way. But in a way that everybody can watch and understand, you know, and I, okay. that, I think that's what I liked about this film is that, you know, it doesn't matter what your take is on feminism. You will watch it. You will understand it because mm-hmm. they're not trying. Everything in it is completely this is what happens. This is real. And because they're not trying to emotionally sway you, it's sort of like either you take it or you leave
0: it. And yeah. especially like this topic is such a contentious one and she does it so just as is. There's really no bells and whistles to it. Whereas the the romance side of things, you know, it's a romance. And so like you do kind of get these more emotional moments and you get kind of this drama and tension but with this subplot they just are so matter of fact about it that i think it was a really smart way to to handle it
2: yeah i agree so
0: yeah i was just going over our notes here and you wrote music or lack thereof
2: (laughs) or lack thereof except for when she originally when Sophie originally goes sees the midwife they're at like a feast I guess I thought it was like some witch ritual to be honest with you
0: (laughs) when it started right yeah
2: I was like it it reminded me of the witch (laughs) uh, yeah right did it it, a little bit I haven't seen it I wasn't mad at it but I was like this is a weird turn (laughs) yeah but then they start singing and I was completely enchanted and
0: that's my favorite scene in the movie
2: me too. I was oh.
0: blown away by the singing. Just that whole moment. I yeah, it's my favorite moment in the whole film, actually. I
2: wonder if those women. I should have looked it up. I wonder if those women are a choir. They must be.
0: Oh, and do you know what they're singing? I wrote this one down.
2: You so, wrote this down, but prior to you writing it down, no, I did not know. Uh, I do know that it's Latin.
0: So, yeah, they are they are repeating <laughs> a, a phrase in Latin. I want to find the Latin. Uh, non puissant fugere, which means they cannot escape. <laughs> uh,
2: which this song is also in the ending credits.
0: Yeah. This reminds me of the Get Out song right yeah where they they have like all the words that are like where it's telling him to get out essentially uh and this was kind of the opposite message but i liked the way it was worked in it kind of it reminds me a little bit of that song and get out so the whole film is completely diegetic which is to say that all the sound is motivated from within the film one of my other favorite films that does this is no country for old men um which is a film that a lot of people don't even realize doesn't have a score and this one i i I had a couple moments like it was probably 30 minutes into the film before i even noticed where i was like i started wondering i'm like did the opening have music i started doing that thing where i was like was was there music and then i really noticed that it's just it's all sound design and the design itself is impeccable like the mix this could have won oscar for best sound design as far as i'm concerned it was really something
2: it really was something and i was the same way i did not notice there was no music until the scene that we were just speaking of and then it kind of just clicked like oh this is the first time i've heard music this. Whole uh, time. not the
0: one where they where she plays the piano not that scene well,
2: I mean, mm, I didn't count that because that piano yeah. was off key and not tuned. And I was like, uh, I hated that part, actually. Okay. I was like, this is too much on my ear. I know, I, like that song, that. I know that song will serve a purpose and I liked it for that, but I was like, my ear does not like this, <laughs> you know? Um,
1: what do you think, Nova? For me, I didn't notice until uh, Marianne and, and Eloise kissed because usually in the traditional sense, they'll try to add some type of romantic you know, to it or some type, you know, just something. And I noticed it was just dead noise. And then, then I realized, oh my gosh, there hasn't really been music throughout this entire film. There is no score. These actors have to sort of bring it, bring out the chemistry on their own. So I I noticed it through their performances during moments where usually the scene is heightened by a soundtrack.
0: There is a cadence to the film though. And it's very intentional with the action, right? Between the painting and, like, the scraping that you get, the ruffling of the dress. Like, there's so much sound going on that I think does kind of write it. Uh What were you saying, Michelle?
2: Um, I was going to say, so there's three times that there's music in this film, right? When she plays the off-tune piano. Ugh. And then when they go to the feast. And then at the end, when she's in the orchestra. So, two of those three times, the music is actually coming from the characters. Which I like.
0: Yeah, that, that's seen it at, at, at night when they all sing I was like what the hell's going on and then when they all start to harmonize like when it levels out when they kind of peak and then mm-hmm. they start the clapping and all that I was just like this is so cool, it was uh, so cool. I wish I could have seen that in a theater you know like, me too.
2: yes me too all, all the reviews were just like you have to see this yeah. on, in a theater and I'm very sad that I did not Have the chance
0: to do that. I I also love the way they cut out of that scene. Just to kind of touch on that scene for a minute. The way they cut out of that scene where she gets lit on fire. And then she falls. And as Marianne comes to help her up. There's a match cut to them at the beach. And it's like it's when they have their first kiss. Like Mm -hmm. it leads directly into it in a way that like the editing is so slick. Because she like goes to reach down. And then it cuts to the like her grabbing her arm at at the beach on the rocks. It's such a nice match cut like there's some really slick editing in this movie between the especially with the transitions right and I feel like that again comes back to that memory theme where it's like she remembers the moment of her on fire and she immediately equates it to their first kiss, even though it's the next day.
2: Well, that's because the flame is just basically like Eloise, like that passion and love for her. It's just like bursting out of her and now she can no longer contain it. And so it's a metaphor for her accepting a lot of fire and, in like, the film to act on this Yeah. feeling.
0: Yeah, a lot of fire in the film. I noticed early on that Marianne's character often has fire either in her frame or in the background like she's got like in a lot of ways i started kind of asking myself who's the lady on fire you know it's like that thing with the master where everybody's like who's the master and in this Marianne is the
2: lady on fire
0: well eloise too right they they are they are kind of both the woman on fire and
2: but only because she catches marianne's fire
0: right (laughs) yeah maybe
2: eloise is the titular character here she doesn't have power she only gets it once marianne shows up
0: but she's burning up from the inside we have that shot of the painting where her heart catches on fire the paint catches on fire right over marianne her heart Uh, which is such a good shot he lights
1: it on marianne lights it on fire
0: and again very subjective right yeah yeah. What were you going to say, Nova?
1: Oh, I was just going to say that is so subtle, but I don't, you know, I don't know that. I, I think that, you know, that definitely adds to the nuance of the theme of the idea of the, of the lady on fire, but I don't know. I sort of, I took it literally the scene where Eloise's dress literally lights on fire. And that is the painting that we see in the very beginning of the film. Well, we, we see a mix. We watch. see
0: a mix of the two scenes, right? It's those, it's those same two scenes I just mentioned because it's her on fire and it's the beach and the painting is her on fire on the beach like in marianne's mind it's all kind of meshed together because she she's a portraitist so she likes to create these these images right we see it at the end with the orpheus um painting with orpheus and eurydice painting that she has where like she's very good at sort of like picking this these moments and i think that the her perspective really backs that up throughout and that painting is a nice, a nice highlight of that. And we never see like her it, happens. which is interesting.
1: But Nova, do you like do you, the, the moment where Heloise's dress catches on fire? Did you, there was something about that moment, to be honest, that felt sort of awkward to me. Yeah, I agree. Especially
2: it was so yeah. strange. At all. Yeah. Yeah. But, you felt-
0: yeah. I've started thinking about this movie though, as a little bit, I don't want to say untrustworthy, but mm-hmm. not literal. Like, I don't think we're watching the literal action. I think we're watching Marianne's memories of the action, Mm -hmm. right? And she remembers Eloise as this very poised, stoic woman who doesn't like to smile. You know, you really have to pull it, coax it out of her. So to me, when the film has these moments that are like, kind of like, what? I, I look at it as point of view and that it's how she remembers it. Like would she actually just stand there and look at her while she, while her dress is on fire, you know, but this is what, this is what Marianne remembers of it. That was my take.
1: That's no, I actually, I can see that now. I really like that. And that, that puts a lot of heavy lifting on Adele Hanel who plays Heloise because you have to play this character as the memory of another character.
0: And she absolutely steps up to that task, which is mm. just pretty incredible. Yeah, it, it all kind of clicked for me after she leaves. And when it picks up back up with her in the portrait studio, that's when I like started going like, oh, wait a minute. I think I've been watching this movie a little bit wrong. And that the way I should be watching it is just very much... Her lens and like her distortion to some extent.
2: Excellent point. So she is the subject of the film (laughs) now. I was a little confused who was at first. Yeah. I have like a rambling rant in here about that, actually. I was like, yeah.
0: Because the, the painting itself is Eloise, right? But the film is a portrait of a lady on fire. And that lady is Marianne. So I, that's, so it's both, which I, which I like.
2: I first, I thought it was Eloise because she was the subject of study when it came to this portrait, right? So like, that's like easy to grasp. But as you were saying, the more I went into this, I started realizing it was Marianne. And now that you mentioned what you just said that it was through her lens, like, excellent point, John. I'm completely convinced now.
0: And I think this also uh, touches on something you mentioned earlier, Nova, which is the ghost image, right? Because we get this weird thing in this movie that feels like it's been very grounded and practical where she gets a feeling, she turns around and she sees very briefly the ghost image of of Eloise in a white dress. And then she disappears and and we see it twice. And then at the end when she's leaving, we get that like uh, that moment to me was so well played because of the reference to. Orpheus and Eurydice, the famous Greek story, just for our listeners in case they don't know. It's the Greek story where Eurydice has died and Orpheus goes to the underworld to fetch her, and when he brings her back, he's not allowed to turn around, but he turns around to look at her to see that she's still there and then she disappears forever. Very quick recap. But oh, yeah. so they so they re, so they play out this moment, and I love the callback that like Eloise says earlier in the film. Maybe, you know, maybe Eurydice told him to turn around. She's like, maybe it was it was her decision and not Orpheus's decision, which is a really kind of fun interpretation. And so as she's leaving, she says, turn around and we get that exact image again. Right. And again, it's a painting. And then the darkness comes because she closes the door behind her. And so thinking back on those other two images, I was like, she's trying to, like, remember the sequence of events that are very positive for the most part but it's always tainted by the tragedy of loss and so like as they get closer and closer to the end she can't help but kind of go ahead to the ending like she keeps skipping to me i was like it's her mind skipping to the end she's so focused on the tragedy of of the loss of this relationship that it even affects the previous memories That's how that's kind of that was how I ended up looking at that scene. Once we got to the third iteration of it, I sort of went, "Okay, this is this is like her kind of restructuring it. You guys think I'm on base? You have other theories?
1: I think you are right on the nose. Right on, which I didn't even notice. That's the beauty of this movie. There's so much going on. You can rewatch it and and, and more things will come up. Yeah.
0: Like you could Um, accuse it of being a slow movie, but a lot happens in this movie. There's so much portion. They do drugs, like, yeah. you know, people catch on fire. <laughs> yeah,
2: there's a lot going on, yeah. <laughs> like there's the intermixing of the class, which I really appreciated. Like there's a lot going on. So much. Yeah, you have some good go notes on the
0: class. You had some good notes on the classroom show. I'd love if you could uh, go I into don't. it a little bit more. I think <laughs> it was you. No, unless, I don't think that was unless that. it was Nova. This
2: um, one time that I didn't have much to say about that.
0: That's right. Yeah, Nova, you wrote about the class um, <laughs> between the the conversation of the mother and Marianne, the artist, right?
1: Oh, their conversation. I think for that, I was more focused on um, just the idea of the generational strife of women in general. I, yeah, so then that, I love that conversation between Marianne and Heloise's mother. Is she the, the countess? What's her?
0: Comtesse.
1: La,
2: La Comtesse. Yeah, yeah, with the La
1: Comtesse, because... You know, at first you're thinking, your your other daughter just committed suicide. What are you doing? You know, the the logical modern part of me is thinking, why are you making your daughter get married? Why are you forcing her? And in most movies, they just, the mothers just sort of push their daughters into it they're sort of perpetuating this sort of tradition and that's it but i love that conversation because because in that moment you realize that the law contest she knows the strife that heloise is going through because she experienced it herself which you don't realize in the beginning when she's talking about her own painting and how when she showed up after being married her painting was staring at her and it was there and, and you know it doesn't until she brings up I, I don't remember how the conversation went exactly but she sort of just in one sinful sentence just says you know i know yeah I they know start
0: talking about milan and the mother is just dying to go to milan she's She's like uh, she wants to get back to a sense of life we don't know what happened to the father there's no real explanation about her husband but like clearly the mother's fate is tied to her daughter right she's got one job left as comtesse and that's to marry off her daughter to someone who will then also provide for her right like that's kind of how that system works so and she admits like you said in that scene I think to the selfish motive. She's like hey, because uh, Marianne points it out she's like uh, you know she's like oh Milan will be great she she'll love Milan and she's like and you right? And she's like why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Like we get we get her motives very quickly, right? Before yeah. we even meet Eloise, which I did like the buildup to seeing Eloise in her face. like, Because in that scene, it's before we meet her. And at first I thought that that was the subject. And I was like, oh, this is her. Because we see her from behind. She's still hidden. But then it's like a further delay for the reveal. They wait a long time to, to show her, actually.
1: I think also with that, that exchange... I think it's really important, too, because I think that's what makes the film such a great feminist film and that it's not just showing, you know, that because we're giving into the patriarchy, that's sort of what leads to this sort of, that's the tragedy of being a woman during that time. But it's also that other women are actively continuing that. They're perpetuating it. La contest, she's putting her daughter through the arranged marriage because she also benefits from it but also it's it's tradition and she's following that so i think that's also what makes it great is you're showing that it's not just men that are sort of the cause of why we need feminism but also other women as well yeah. oh definitely it's the definitely. whole structure right yeah to be fair though although aristocratic women were educated it was
2: just minimal it wasn't to the point that they were good at critical thinking or independent thinking you know it was enough for they they could impress the husband to be and perhaps entertain the family here and there and continue this tradition so i did not fault the mother for anything and i because... feel like
0: the film addresses that fairly directly when they have the yeah. conversation about yeah. her not being allowed to paint men mm-hmm yeah, so she's not allowed to study male anatomy. She's like, but people do it, you know. I I really... Uh, yes, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say in secret, that's it.
0: Yeah, but I really liked this film's uh, highlighting of the, the duality of being a woman in this time in that yeah. there's like the accepted place and then there's the reality, you know. It's like the reality is that you can go to the midwife and get an abortion if you need it, right? but the accepted thing is that it's a scandal and that it's wrong and it's outside of marriage and and there's we get a lot of this throughout the film of just kind of that that duality that i felt was it was very illuminating really it was it was really refreshing yeah
1: and also the notion that no woman is really truly free in the film because i i don't know there's there's this huge juxtaposing thing between heloise and marianne where heloise is, is sheltered she she's bound by her fate she has to as an aristocrat she has to be married off she doesn't have the freedom or the stability to to live on her own but then you have marianne who because her father is a painter owns a studio she i'm assuming is the only child if she's due to inherit his his studio she she can do that she can work for a living and and she can she can commission paintings but at the same time as you said she can't paint she's not allowed to learn how to paint men nude she does it in secret but also she can't submit paintings in her name it has to be in her father's name so there's still she's still limited as well because she's a woman
0: and you really feel that limitation as we reach the ending of the film. Like when the mother's coming back from her little away time and we've had some sexy time, we've had some fun, <laughs> you know, we've done some drugs. Uh, but then like, as you creep closer, you really feel it. I, I felt it uh, just that sense of neither one of them has the power to change the situation. Like Eloise is going to get married, whether she, whether the, whether Marianne gives the portrait or not is going to happen. You know, like, She'll just hire somebody else. And like neither one of them is free enough to pull off sort of the getaway. Like I started doing that thing that I feel like they would have been doing during this time, which is like, how could we do it? What trick could we use? And I'm just like down every road is just more despair. Right. You know, it's like, okay, one, they're on an island. And like, how do you get off together without anybody knowing? And like, even if they did go off together, then what? they do. Then they have to hide their relationship. And then it just like I was just like it just spirals out in your mind so easily how dead-ended they are. There's re it's really it's a really oppressive feeling. And in terms of like the empathy machine, this really I feel like kind of, you know, it put me in that place of just like shit, there's no win here. And it's Yeah. It's it's rough. It's
1: either, you know, you you are either resigned to your fate or you do what heloise's sister did and you kill yourself, which I thought was going to be the fate of Heloise. I thought that the reason why they were alluding to her sister's suicide was because they were foreshadowing her own suicide in the end.
0: Yeah. I had to pause this movie in the middle to go pick my wife from the train station and i had a half hour left in the car i was talking to her about it i was just like because i kind of had wished i'd waited to watch the whole thing with her and i was just like something bad's gonna happen like the movie is forecasting tragedy all over the place but
2: it was tragedy they don't have power and they can't be together
0: it was less drastic than i thought but it was still heartbreaking it was like the the movie strangely does and doesn't pull punches right it's like in some ways it could have really hammered us and been like she dies and it's Horrible or like they have this really Bad falling out you know then I would
2: have hated The movie right we all would have well, been Sour have been yeah. yeah yeah
0: And in this one this because this just Felt so real of just mm-hmm. like That kind of that super strong connection You can have and then just like Having to put it aside it's it was yeah i and i really like the connection to the orpheus and eurydice story have you guys heard of Hades Town, the musical
1: heard of no. it but i don't i don't quite know so it, it
0: either just came out or was about to come out when they shut broadway down uh mm-hmm. so it's brand new my wife's been listening to this album for months now and so i've listened to the whole show and it is a restaging of orpheus and eurydice in like a version of like the black south like new orleans style jazz and stuff so it's it's a great soundtrack i i highly recommend it and in near the end of the musical they have sort of a discussion about tragedy and why we bother to tell tragic stories when we know they're gonna make us sad (laughs) and one of the arguments in that show is that every time we read orpheus and eurydice or watch a play of such We hope that it will pan out this time. And you always like, so a tragedy, even though you know it's going to go bad, it still gives you that hope. And it still gives you that sense of, I want this to work. It brings out something very human in us to sort of root for the tragedy not to happen. But, you know, it's like tragedy does happen. And it's very real and it can hurt, but it's a very human thing. And I really like that. And I think this movie really hit that. Like, I feel like it really hit that note of like, I wanted them to, I wanted them to g- escape together. I knew it wasn't going to happen. When they, when they brought up Orpheus, you're going to see, it's like, okay, there's two lovers who don't end up together. And yet still, I found myself going like, could they, could they pull it off? Cause She's like hide her in a crate on the boat or like make an excuse to get her to shore, <laughs> like some way that they could get off together. And it's just, it's just not meant to be, I guess.
2: What you were just saying about tragedy and why we watch that brings me to my current obsession with research and why humans cry. And- This is a good one. They, uh, <laughs> P.S. the uh, protein composition is different if you cry out of emotion versus like pain or um, like cutting onions. I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes your tears stickier and more glossy. So people can see it more, so they are able to like empathize with you more, which I thought was fascinating. Anyways, what I was going to say. Yeah, they is form that... different
0: crystalline structures too. If you're happy yes. or sad, yeah.
2: Yes, yes, it was very fascinating. And so part of the study, which was not a very big study, there's still so much research to be had on this. But it was, I think, it was by King's College in London, and um, they took 40 people and they had them watch sad movies and then like interviewed them afterwards and kind of like monitored their depression. And it was immediately afterwards. And it was very like, they were very sad, very depressed. And then what they did was they did it again, but then they interviewed them like an hour and a half later, once they were able to process everything. And then they were like happier than they were than before going into the movie. So it kind of builds this like appreciation for happiness and this, Ability to just kind of like start appreciating your life, I guess, which I thought was really yeah. interesting and kind of fits this and what you were
1: just saying. It was also it's also very cathartic in a way to be yeah. able to watch a movie, to cry, to feel and to sort of get out whatever you might subconsciously or consciously be feeling. Yeah, that's why I watch film personally.
0: Oh, catharsis is a big part of film. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um, on the crying note, I heard a explanation, like a simplified explanation for crying that I really appreciated. And it's sort of like anytime you have more emotion than you can contain, your body releases a chemical to like deal with that. And and tears are like a excess byproduct of this chemical reaction. So whether that's too much happiness or too much sadness, too much tragedy or too much anger or anything any emotion if you get too much of it it can make you cry and like and that release is cathartic and it is good for you and like you know i think while we're on uh, a feminist film i think it's always a good idea to you know encourage men to be able to cry and like embrace embrace their feeling because it's healthy it's like literally good for you because your body just like can only take so much of a feeling and so it's like happy tears those are great you know sad tears also good for you,
2: so, you angry know. tears good for you. all of it's good for you i'm a big i'm a big, I'm of a big supporter of, of crying <laughs> i cry a lot
1: same here <laughs> i'm a massive cry baby
2: me too. Me too. One thing I wanted to kind of circle back to was how, I guess we're still on it though, was like how the tragedy was, wasn't this like big cinematic like execution of them or like something, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, she wasn't like, being
0: dragged back to the underworld, literally. Right, like in right. The, like in the Greek tragedy, right? <laughs>
2: Right. So I think that really went along with like how the director showed this longing and dance of love through like the nuances rather than just like the physicality of sex. Like we don't get that really. Like, you know, it's implied we know they have sex but like there's some smooching it's not, I'm sorry
0: there's some smooching
2: which by the way the spit in that was like the most disgusting thing oh come world. on yeah, there's nothing not feeling-
0: there's nothing more intimate than sharing a little spit
2: but why did they have to put it on camera like that it would like draw out like to would be like a string and the first time I was like fine like they're drooling over each other fine but then like it kept happening and I was like gross I hate spit by the way I hate the sound of it I hate the look of it I hate it so I was like not the audience for that no
1: very cruel intentions it wasn't I didn't yeah. love it <laughs> I was like, I didn't no, it. I could have done without that and had the same feeling.
0: Didn't bother me. It it proves to me that the actors are in it. That they're yeah, in it's true. The moment. I agree. That I they're not thinking, faking it or holding back. You know?
2: Totally. I kept thinking, does this happen when I kiss someone? <laughs>
0: Probably occasionally. Probably you
2: know. occasionally. <laughs> um. So anyway, so I loved that, like the lack of this major tragedy, kind of coincided with the fact that, like, there's this lack of huge sexual portrayal.
0: Although I will and say, I think this is the first movie we've had with nudity. Is the, am I wrong on, on that?
2: I no, I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Strangely enough, we've had a lot of R-rated movies too, but this is like the first nudity, and it's all very uh, It's all very it's benign. Oh, uh, there's for JJ. There's bush.
1: Is there a JJ? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When she has her period, when she gets her period. Oh, I, I showed it. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, she she yeah, it? She, yeah. Full bush.
1: Oh, time. that's right. Yeah. See, but that's okay. what's so great about this film is that everything, you know, sometimes nudity can get so gratuitous, but in this one, it was, it made sense why it was necessary. Yeah. So you forget about it because it's just it makes sense for the scene.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's not objectifying, right? No, not at
1: all. It's that's just, probably it's just why natural. I didn't,
0: It's yeah. yeah.
2: It is very natural. It's probably why it didn't even phase me. Yeah. To be with you, yeah, yeah it wasn't
0: vulgar. Generally no. it's very casual. I have a fun anecdote about the period scene, by the way. Okay. My, and it's that my wife uh, showed me this TikTok That was like things that women can relate to that. It's like just for women. And it was a series of like a woman like sitting up and going, and like or like stay like doing a move and going uh, because yeah. there's period blood yeah and every and month, so every month. when i saw the scene when she does the, the sit up and she does that like little look like uh, i was like i know what that is <laughs> i was so happy good job <laughs> uh, Maybe
2: connected to <laughs> no. them. yeah we understand
0: me and my wife we try to we try to share with each other the experience of the opposite sex as much as possible for the sake of of understanding. So she shares stuff like that with me and I appreciated it when I watched this film. I was like, all right,
2: I know that. As, as, a, as a woman, I appreciated it too, because I was like, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> you know? You're and it's always like when you're laying in bed or like doing something important. It's never like when you're ready for it or like already prepared. Like it's never like that. It's always like in the most inconvenient, kind of scary, anxiety-inducing spaces you know (laughs) always so going back to like the sexual portrayal i don't know if this could have been done effectively with a cis straight couple what do you guys think
0: the tension doesn't work the same for sure because the forbidden nature of a same-sex relationship in any period piece really immediately adds something right we it's intrinsically forbidden we know that it's societally inappropriate slash unaccepted even in societies like france where it was fairly common. It was still officially shunned, right? Right. And exactly. like You know,
1: and I, there's another movie, Tulip Fever, where the, the plot line is sort of similar, except that the woman in it, at least plays this woman who's already married. And Dane DeHaan plays this painter who falls in love with her while he's um, painting her. And it's just, the stakes are different in that she wants to be with someone she loves versus marrying somebody because it's what she's supposed to do as a woman. But I think what makes this one special, especially the fact that it's between two women who don't have actual rights it becomes this really beautiful study about your limitations as a female. And there's also this mutual understanding and I think acceptance among the women about the fact that they don't really, they don't have any power. And I don't, you know, I think that if it, if it was a cisgendered sort of situation, you wouldn't get that study anymore. It wouldn't, I mean, it could still be a feminist film, but I think with this one, because there's, and I, I wrote that in my notes, because there's the absence of men, that's where the women are actually allowed to be themselves. And with the absence of the older woman who is holding up propriety, they can share their thoughts freely. They can they can talk about they can explore abortion. They can do all of these things because they're not being they're not under the watchful eyes of anybody who is perpetuating the patriarchy in any way.
0: Yeah, especially when the mom leaves, right? Because mm-hmm. the mom is kind of our last holdout representation of the patriarchy in the island. Even though she's you know she's still a woman, she's still participant in that system. Yeah. And yeah, I think. That we don't get that duality that we mentioned earlier without it being a same-sex couple. Like we don't we don't get to see the two sides, like you're saying, of... which
2: I love. It had so many comments on the patriarchy, and they never ever used a male character for it. Yeah. I was so into that.
0: Only two men have lines in the film and they're both very quick.
2: Yeah, it's like go through the trees and then like I'm here where's the painting or yeah. something like that. Well,
0: and then at the, at the end when the guy says, "Oh, this is one of your fathers. He's gotten very oh, yeah, good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Actually." <laughs> actually. Actually, Baus. <boss>, that's me. <laughs> that's
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks like for that. the
0: compliment. And yeah. I
2: love how that when she told him that, it didn't even phase him. He was like, "Okay." Yeah. it's just like i feel like it's
0: common it's just how it is yeah it's you know? just how
2: it is which is absurd like if everyone knows it's how it is just like stop making it that way and just let them submit but whatever um, i'm with you so yeah i think we covered everything but the sc- well we kind of covered the script yeah? yeah we
0: talked a lot about story and we are i think we're going a little long anyway so i suppose we can wrap up unless you guys have any kind of last minute thoughts that you wanted to talk about or um also this is kind of random but is it just me or does the lead actress marianne look just like emma watson i couldn't stop seeing hermione's face
2: when i when i first started watching her I was like, she looks familiar, and so I looked up her IMDb, and I was like, nope, never seen any of this. And then when I saw your notes, I was like, that has to be it. She looks like she has the yeah. same face shape as Emma Watson, maybe a little yeah. bit skinnier, but yeah, like they could be sisters. Yeah, or cousins.
0: Different body, different body type, different hair, but like the face was so like eyes, nose, mouth, very almost identical.
1: now Hanel Hanel sort of reminded me of Kate Winslet. Right? Mm. right? If you She's really like a, a cross
0: between Kate Winslet and um, oh, uh, the. Frances Ha, uh, the, the director. Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh, uh, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, kind
0: yeah. of like a Greta Gerwig slash Kate Blanchett oh. thing going on. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, fun fact, she and the director, Celine Sciamma, I'm going to guess that's how it's pronounced, uh, Her were an item for a very long time. Before this film, they broke up, up amicably uh, shortly before the shooting of this film. And when I read that, I was just like, what a thing to like, Direct your ex lover in this film in but this way.
2: The, the French have a much more casual culture about this stuff. Like, well, and clearly American, they
0: had a very mature relationship.
2: Yeah, also that. But like, yeah, the the French have a more mature view on like ending relationships
1: than Americans do. Period. Know, Dwayne Johnson, his ex wife, he she produces most of his movies. yeah but he's not
0: like having intense love relationships in any of his movies that's true like in this one she like think about it as a director you have to like direct the scene where they're pointing out each other's flaws and they have to be like really in each other's face and a lot of the shots are also like bam so it's like i'm gonna watch my my ex make out and slobber all over maybe that's why there's the spit in the movie maybe it's revenge
1: Oh my God. No, I think
0: you're just a professional <laughs> No, I think they're v- uh, very professional I just like, it, it kind of I, I tried to imagine to some extent What that's like It's got to be a very kind of unique experience And with the subject matter in particular Of like lost love
1: Well, I mean, I wonder because I've I've heard of couples directing other couples and doing these love scenes. Um, For example, Sam Taylor Johnson and Aaron Taylor Johnson, they're both married and she directed him in this movie. I can't remember what the movie was. It's based off of a book about this guy who was addicted to heroin and all these drugs. And there was this really intimate love scene that they shot on Valentine's Day. And I she was sort of upset about that where she turned to her, to the PA or something like that and was like, really? You thought this was a good idea to have me film this on Valentine's Day. So I guess there's an awkwardness, but then you kind of snap back into it and just get to work. Yeah.
0: And it's definitely not the most awkward thing that's ever happened in Hollywood. Like Darren Aronofsky has like directed his wife Rachel weiss who has like in um The Fountain. In The Fountain, she like totally has a sex scene with <laughs> Hugh Jackman and her husband is the director. So, you know, people in relationships can do this. I guess why not exes? That <laughs> yeah. was just kind that, of a, a you know a little fact it's a
1: movie you know it's like once you get into your job you just you want it to be perfect you want yeah. to capture that
0: yeah yeah Art.
2: um real quick I think it's her their third collaboration on a film
0: yeah yeah I think you're yeah. I think you're correct um, but they only broke up just before this film
2: yeah just before I I'd love to be a fly on that wall as to why. I'm very nosy. And then also just kind of wanted to re- go back to this ticks yet another box for the new Academy mm. requirements. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: you know what? Uh, something I meant to do up top that I totally forgot. Was there is sort of a a hidden fifth lead in this film by the name of Helene Delmer who did all the paintings and drawings. Oh, yes. And every time you see the drawing happening, it's her hands. And she worked very closely with Naomi. And so I just want to give a shout out to her. The art in this movie is so good. It's so good. She was doing
2: 16 hour days and little fun fact, she is left-handed, but the actress that portrays this character is right-handed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to like, look for these kind of things the throughout the, yeah the tells yeah
0: yeah see if she's if she shows her right-handedness yeah throughout yes yeah, so that's fun and i the one thing is like when they're when they have the close-up shots on the canvas and she's like drawing i don't know if you guys draw or paint but i you know i do that sort of thing as a hobby i draw a lot and uh these scenes gave me the exact anxiety that i always have when i'm drawing of just the uncertainty of where to place things (laughs) and like where to place color or just like the lines when they're scraping with the charcoal i got like a very visceral feeling of when i draw of just kind of how how uncertain it can feel (laughs) At times.
2: Um, I do draw and paint, but not in the way that you do, John. P.S. John is a very talented artist, but like I just kind of do it to just like pass time and I do not ever expect to like sell a painting or I don't even show it really, you know? So I do not get that anxiety at all. The only time I get that anxiety is actually with fluid painting. And that's only because you have to actually like physic like calculate how much paint you're gonna put on the size canvas you have, and that's what gives me anxiety.
0: <laughs> There's just such a permanence to paint that, like, once you start... I mean, she is working with oil paints, which, as you can see, stay wet for a long time. Like, when she smears the face off several days later. You can only do that with oil paint. But there is this feeling of permanence when you put paint down. That's kind of nerve-wracking.
1: I mean, the strokes, the deliberate strokes that were also sort of scattered. And that was terrifying. And having to do it on camera.
0: Uh, Having to paint on film or, you know, whatever, 8K digital that they shot in. that That would be so... It's so much pressure. I feel like you have to have such supreme confidence in artists to accept that job. I would be so worried about messing it up. Yeah, usually they just, it's like you don't often have to perform as an illustrator on camera, right? It's an interesting thing to turn into performance art. All right. Sorry, uh, I was trying to wrap this up and then I wound up dragging this out. So this has been great. Thank you so much, Nova, for joining us. Is there any socials you want to put up? Any projects you need to promote? Anything like that? Don't have
1: anything I'm promoting at the moment. What about what you just made? What did I just make? The
2: quarantine film that you and two other... Oh, av- oh
1: my gosh. Yes. Okay, yeah. I did. <laughs> I, there was a quarantine film that we did that I did get involved in. It's called Game Night. It's a fun little short horror that me and a couple, a few people that I know did. So there's that. Um, is it my online? Social is, it is, on, is, is there
0: a link or anything we can add for that? that?
1: The link is on my bio. So if you go to my Instagram, right. uh, NovaJones07, you'll, you'll see it there. Cool. We'll also link it below and in the title cards. And actually, I do have another uh, the, a short that I had done a while back is now on Amazon Prime, so that's also available to watch. Awesome. Yeah. So I will I will put that up there, too. What's the name of that if they want to just, like, Google it or Amazon Prime search it? Yes. I it's called Without Regret. I spaced
0: and forgot for a second there. So I was. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Rochelle, as always, thank you so much. Where can the people find you?
1: Just click on the links below. Instagram.
0: To... <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, go to our our Instagram for the show at views and paradox. We put up fun posters for all the films that we talk about and you can see what's coming up. If you follow us on Instagram, join us on the Facebook group to Chat with us. Talk about movies. Sometimes we put up polls. All kinds of kind of random things happen. In Facebook groups. So yeah, join us on Facebook. Just kind of search Views and Paradox and you should be able to find it. Until next time, thank you for watching and or listening. And until next time, watch more movies.
2: Happy viewing, guys.